you're listening to this Vital MTB Tech Talk through a podcast app, be sure to visit vitalmtb.com to see photos and learn more details about what's being discussed here. Bike nerds rejoice! All right, Vital listeners, we have a special feature today for you. I'm sat here with Dave Garland, the head tech at Giant Factory Off-Road Racing. We are in Morzine at the Laplenny Lift. They're doing some cool testing with some computers on the bike. And we're going to kind of get into it with Dave, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what's going on because it's not your usual setup. It's not what you've seen on Loic's bike, and this is sort of a new tech for mountain biking, but it's not new tech in general. And Dave's sort of wrangled it together for two wheels going downhill. So, Dave, what's happening today? Um... Well, to go backwards slightly, um, nearly three years ago, I started really thinking about how to like close in on specific specific adjustments for um, downhill mountain bike outside of what you know what the usual acquisition does for you, which most of it reads suspension, that which is great. Um, but um, as downhill bikes have evolved, there's they become much more complex and you need at a downhill race to work out quickly in which direction to go and to zone in on on types of adjustment throughout the bike um, too many too many people point the finger at suspension uh, expecting it to solve a multitude of parameters and really uh, a lot of the time it's not quite that simple so what this system does um, it gives you uh, an insight into the behaviour of the bike and the behaviour of the rider and you can then go about making specific adjustments in the right direction uh, which is really important now because in downhill you have a very limited amount of time to actually get the bike working properly You know, at best you've got 9 runs before you go to qualifying or maybe even less so what this allows you to do is read very quickly where to make that adjustment and um, by looking at the screen correctly and understanding what the graphs do which are very simple we've we've spent a lot of time simplifying this so you know even a mechanic that's not used to looking at acquisition can actually look at and decide um, what type of adjustment to make so what we're actually measuring is um, fork and shock movement obviously um, ride height which gives you your rider input reading tells you how much the rider is inputting into the bike lateral movement which is really important because gives you your stability reading tells you it, it, if the bike is moving around on a on any given surface so you can start working on that as well uh, weight distribution uh, brake pressure, obviously. Um, rear wheel lockup in relation to rear suspension movement, which is quite a, an important uh, thing to look at because the more you, you pull on your rear brake, the less the suspension works. And you can see that, uh, again, in the graph in relation to rear braking and how uh, lazy your rear suspension uh, becomes. And one of the most important uh, parts of looking at that is when you're going towards a corner and you're into corner entry and you really don't want to be on the brakes you need to get everything done way before that um, so the bike enters the corner in its correct geometry it's not front heavy uh, 
both the front and rear suspension are working correctly and it helps you get through the corner and exit the corner with as much speed as possible. Now, something to think about when we're looking at the bike too is that this isn't measuring air pressure either because these are coil-sprung bikes, both fork and rear shock. And I think a lot of the viewers who see this will wonder about that because air has been such a popular, I'd say, let's say, I don't know, switch for a lot of riders. They want that air shock for one reason or another. Do you feel that the coil system benefits more from this sort of testing or that it is an advantage when properly set up over air? Uh, I, I think that the coil versus air subject is going to go on forever. Um, there's no doubt that coil actually can manage bump force much more efficiently. Um, I think it's down to the individual what, what they want to ride and how they ride. If you're an extremely aggressive rider and your input to the bike is substantial there is a reason why people would go to air um, okay, coil, all our bikes are coil obviously um, we ended up with coil for the simple reason that it's much more efficient and we understand it, the riders understand it we know how to get the best out of coil um, with the sensors on the bike we can measure quite a large uh, quite a large number of parameters we can go fundamentally G, we can go metres per second or we can go in actual physical millimetres movement and what the most important thing with all these are is being able to read everything quickly you know if you need to start deciphering G Yes, you can do it, but it needs a certain amount of time. We don't have that in downhill, which is one of the reasons why we've developed this system uh, with a number of fairly complex math channels that allows us to look at exactly what we need to look at. And the interesting thing with just millimetres movement, anyone can read millimetres. Most downhill bikes have got 203 millimetres of travel front and rear. Okay a fairly inexperienced mechanic can see if the ride height is too low, the bike is imbalanced, um, how close you are to your bumpers, you know, rear shock. Uh, most bumpers are 20 mil. You engage the bumper at around 180 mil of travel. So the rest of that is largely bumper energy, which if you don't have all those all that set correctly then you have a number of forces that are coming together with the bumper you have your compression setting you have your spring value uh, you've got your bumper obviously and you've got your lever ratio which pretty much governs all of that depending on what it is so as long as you understand all of these forces um, and you balance them correctly what that gives you if you're going to look at one characteristic is keeping away from rear flats a ton of people out there still have rear flats and again people point their finger at the rear suspension but honestly there's an awful lot of other small adjustments you can make throughout the bike to actually remove yourself from that puncher zone if you like and 
that's what this system does it allows you to balance everything out correctly you know another characteristic which is really important especially if you're running air suspension and air fork um, exiting corners if your weight distribution isn't correct or the bike is not balanced correctly when you begin to extend out of a corner or exit a corner if your fork begins to come to its maximum extension still exiting a corner the front grip has nowhere else to go it breaks free it can't do anything more for you so this tells you very quickly where the imbalances are especially corner speed you know not many people win world cups in a straight line they win because they're fast in corners so it's really important that the whole bike is balanced accurately to give you that maximum corner characteristic and ultimately you know i've said this a million times in 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 uh other interviews over the years the primary function of a downhill mechanic is to give his rider as much grip as possible as much consistent contact patch that you can you can get from the bike so um after that most things are secondary you know okay so you get your balance worked out front and rear the grip is really good front and rear then it's up to the rider to actually tell you okay where we can start giving away a little bit of grip whether it's front or rear whether you actually got so much grip into a corner you go to exit a corner and the bike still wants to keep turning because it's got too much front grip so you can shift weight distribution back slightly and allow the front to sort of understeer or ride a little bit lighter and yes okay it may move around a little bit but a rider sometimes likes to feel a dynamic coming back from the bike because they know where they are with it are there adjustments that you tend to make more frequently based on track conditions over other ones based on what the data is telling you um i i think the first the first and most important thing that you need to do when you get to world cup is work out where you need to produce the grip you know without without that the rider finds it difficult to go on the line that they want to so weight distribution tire pressure um the tricky subject of wheel tuning based based on corner speed because the tire can only do so much casing roll before it gets pingy or it snaps back um we focus a lot on that because it's one of the final characteristics that give you a very balanced bike uh in testing in the winter with elliot um we were at a place called langothan near where i live and uh the bike was set up pretty good you know we could see that there was a great balance everything it tracked great it turned in great the ride height was good not too extent too much extension coming out of a corner but he was still losing the front end and we're talking about one two maybe three high speed corners so what we done in that instance is adjusted spoke tension to allow the wheel to move laterally a little bit more and it's not for everyone there's an argument for stiff wheels but some wheels have to be stiff because either they're carbon or they don't have an eyelet or generally the material that they're made of is a little bit brittle so it has to be stable we keep away from that we we uh concentrate an awful lot on that sometimes because it, 
it gives you an isolated adjustment away from everything else without upsetting everything else. That's some really cool inside tech because I don't think a lot of people think about spoke tension. No, it's, I think it's relatively unknown. I've been doing it since the late 90s and throughout 2000s working with various riders um, on Giant Factory off-road. For us, it's a great adjustment, you know, and it, it, it solves, like I said, it solves some fundamental issues in exit speed in corners. With certain riders, they kind of, I think, tend to rely on their own sensibilities and their sort of, I don't know, found understandings of bikes through the years. Do you feel that this system is something everyone can benefit from, or is this more for certain riders who are trying to find advantages in places they can't quite see? Um, it's a good question. The simple answer is, um, if you go back several years or more, um, times in downhill were seconds, you know, two, three, four, five, six seconds, even more sometimes. Now, you have 15 or more people on the same second. At some point, you have to re- start relying on some acquisition or telemetry. They are slightly different. Um, but uh, it's very easy to go in the wrong direction with an adjustment. What this does is gives an insight at where to go and what character characteristic you're trying uh, to create or trying to solve an issue. That's what it is. If anyone out there wants to actually spend the time and analyse that, great. It's not for everyone. But unfortunately, where we are in the world of downhill now, the times are going to get tighter and tighter and you need more information. On that note, do you think that we're going to start seeing even more data systems? Because there's a few out there already. You know, One of yours and some of the other teams have them as well. Do you think there will sort of become a technology race in terms of the types of systems people end up using to measure all this? Um, I, I'm not sure about that because some riders won't feel like it's necessary for them. As far as technology leaps, I'm, I'm not... 100% certain on where all this is going to go um, for me alone um, it, it again it gives me more information sometimes than what I need but I never heard anyone that said more information is a bad thing you know yeah with two new riders on the team this year, with Jacob and Elliot, you know, Marcel has been on the program for a couple of years now. Were they eager to get to testing on this system, or would it take some convincing, like, no, this will definitely work, or are they super into it? Well, today, Elliot has spent the most time on this. Jacob's trying it today. This is the first time, so uh, we'll see what that gives us. Um, It's quite a steep learning curve for people to start looking at things like this. I'm quite lucky I, I looked at data like this on racing cars in the past so I kind of understand where the necessi- necessity comes from, from getting this sort of information. Unfortunately, with mountain bikes, 
and some of the systems you see out there they're quite cumbersome they're quite big I'm not sure um, what information that other teams are getting um, I'm focus on, focusing on what I need to see uh, yeah I'm sure we're going to see an awful lot more of this it, I think the most important for me is to be at the front of that rather than catching up that's fair enough. I always want to be at the pointy end of the stick. Yeah. When you started using this, were, uh, this, this technology on the bikes, was there anything you were surprised to discover in the data as you were sitting through? Like, was there a number, you know, whether it was G or you know, side lateral movement? Was there anything that you saw in the graph that took you by surprise? Um, well, we've always known that rear rear braking causes some lazy suspension movement or or actually stopping the suspension move altogether but actually seeing that accurately on a graph and actually how much that affects the bike in geometry forward and aft and and rear suspension movement and rear wheel braking free to actually see that as a reading is was quite uh i wouldn't say it's mind-blowing but it was surprising to see actually how much um that affected the entire bike you know and if you go to um the brake sensors and you ask like for instance i asked elliot how much he was braking on a particular course that we were at and uh, i said what just not braking too much keeping it to a minimum okay so you go to the the readings for that and actually the muscle memory or your fingers covering the brakes actually pulling the brakes on slightly when clearly you shouldn't be pulling them on that was quite uh, eye-opening for for Elliot as well because clearly he was braking when actually he didn't need to brake and sometimes braking in a relative straight line so that was, in, that was interesting so the riders can actually try and undo learned habits and form new ones based on the information these graphs are producing yeah like Elliot said to me you know this is not a silver bullet and it's not but what it does give the rider is the opportunity to tidy things up very quickly at a downhill race you know work out what they're doing and and more importantly stop what they're doing you know quite quickly are there any improvements to the system that you would like to see we're at the moment, um, we're updating this on a weekly basis. So this, the software is getting more and more accurate. The the mass channels are changing to give us a much faster way of reading everything, uh, which is really exciting. You know, I'm lucky enough to work with someone that's right at the forefront of all this, extremely intelligent person. Um, I'm sure at some point they'll sit down at a downhill race when they decide to come and actually give their side of, of what it takes to actually you know, give readings that mean something. And downhill is such a specific sport, it doesn't have a relation with anything out there, you know, without the rider on the downhill bike, the downhill bike actually is zero. It doesn't actually have any values. It's great sat there but it only has a value when the rider sits on the bike and that and everyone is very specific so you know 
you have to have uh, great input from the rider in order to to use you know everything out there that's an interesting note there because I think people forget that the person on the bike is really one of the biggest factors and now we're starting to see consumer oriented suspension gizmos uh, you know there's a couple ones floating about and some of the riders on the circuit and other folks making adjustments are using them do you feel that the current consumer available products are really effective and do you think that we'll see an evolution in those to becoming more complicated similar to something more high-end like what you're using um yeah, yeah i think you're gonna you'll see bikes eventually with the correct sensors that give you the right information in built into bikes i mean it's I think it's there. That I think most of the things that give you readings, whether it's suspension readings or or anything else, I confess I haven't really looked that much into what else is out there in terms of what people buy now. But uh, I think um, everyone's going to be interested in knowing what they're doing on a bike eventually. You know. Not sure if that answered your question or not. No, it kind of did. I think everybody's sort of tech curious to a certain degree, and instead of being on a ride with your buddies, just turning knobs and hoping it makes an adjustment, you know, having sort of more live readout available for the consumer might actually be effective in the future. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you know, everyone. The thing is, with with mountain biking in general and the complexity of bikes now, they are kind of difficult sometimes for the, the end user to wrap their head around what adjustments do what exactly so that can only be good you know to give give the average guy out there or the enthusiast an opportunity to make a correct adjustment when the riders looked at the data and sort of anticipated a certain change did they end up learning that what they thought was happening was incorrect and that it, the issue is manifesting somewhere else because I know like myself when I'm turning you know dials on my fork it's like more of this or more of that it turns out I'm doing the opposite of what I need to do is that something you had to teach the riders about uh not really because the way that the the graphs read you can see actually quite quickly and I think if you're going to point point at one thing um ride height and weight distribution because you can see that uh, quite quickly if there's an imbalance which is I think one of the most important things so is that something you really focused on in particular going into the season was, was ride height with the riders yeah we've always done that you know ride height weight distribution even without acquisition you always tried to make sure that everything was as balanced as, as possible and before being able to see it in in graph terms you always basically ask the same questions entry speed exit speed general grip straight line stability Th those questions really never change you know it's fundamental questions that you always ask a rider and you don't stop asking you just have something that that gives you an indication that you're going in the right direction going forward into the season with the uh, data acquisition on the bikes are there tracks you anticipate it being more helpful on than others or is it all helpful no I think it's all helpful I, I 
I'm just going through the tracks we've been at, tracks we're going to. I don't. Uh, maybe Lenser Hyde and. No, Lenser Hyde with such heavy braking zones. I think it'll show show the guys that where they need to again tidy up some braking and keep the the geometry correct so that they go through those corners you know with as much efficiency as possible um, but it's all relative you know we go to a course that's completely different every week now pretty much is there anything I haven't touched upon that you feel is really notable and worth mentioning about either the system misnomers about suspension or you know the suspension people forget about tires is there anything of that nature that you'd like to express um, like I said at the beginning it's it's a good idea to stop pointing fingers at just suspension expecting suspension to solve the issue because quite more than, off, more than often or not it's it's something else that's giving a bad ride characteristic you know and again that's a weight distribution you know ride height weight distribution you get those things correct you know most things fall into place and as those all fall into place is there anything technologically either currently available or in development that you know about which you think will be a game changer either for you know the rider and the bike or you know a, a new metric that'll come along that will change the way this is analyzed um, uh, I can't really answer that at the moment that's the honest answer <laughs> of course there's going to be things that come along you know we're we're always trying to improve things so um, yeah there's there's always going to be something that comes along that's going to change it up so we'll just have to be eagle-eyed and pay attention yeah you know for the for the the guys that watch world cup racing a lot of them are pretty clued clued up with what's happening and they notice really small things so i'm sure um if we if we uh come to a race with something slightly different people usually notice it straight away you're a bit of a mad technician having looked over those bikes you know you obviously don't miss much on there there's some cool mods and such is there anything that you would like to see the industry come around on or improve like particularly jeez um man don't really have an answer for that one right now um the thing is with uh making improvements to make an improvement something has to happen when you're out testing you can't all of a sudden go and say I'm going to test for um, straight line speed over really a very rocky surface or something that's extremely aggressive okay anyone can go and test that it, testing is is going out and pushing the limits and then finding out how to solve the the right characteristic to to go to the next level. You know, I think 
when you go testing or for me when I go testing to make an improvement something has to happen the rider has to tell you something you can't just say I'm going to ch- change X, Y or Z and let's see what that does you know you're, you're, you're actually creating a, your own grey zone I think uh, it always has to be rider led you know that makes sense you know the riders are the one on the bikes yeah. now obviously this isn't new like data acquisition has obviously been going on in this sport since the beginning uh, I mean Sun Chippy were uh, you know famous for having actual live data coming into the pits but now that it's more readily I guess available or being used depending on how you look at it do you feel that this is sort of a new epoch for racing being that data acquisition is now being used so heavily um, yeah and it's, it's again it's based on time that's that's the single answer you know time is the enemy do you think we're going uh, to see the sport tighten up similar to downhill ski racing where you know the top 10 is like in the first half of a second yeah um, yeah everything is going to get closer I mean we're dependent on where we go in the world to race that's you know I one thing I hope that doesn't happen is that we end up with a manicured downhill season or something that becomes relatively uninteresting if that did happen and I hope it doesn't happen um, it halts the development of bikes you know uh, it's great to see that people are using 29ers if you're going to point a finger at it something um, I think in recent races or in recent weeks we're actually seeing that 275 bike is actually more efficient at most things so um, so is that driven from data you've personally done um, or is that more just sort of looking at paper yeah just listening to riders looking at what the riders are you know looking at what, what the riders are doing on their bikes the attitude of the bikes in corners which is quite interesting okay 29er is really fast in a straight line that's obvious uh, but I don't know I, I think you going to see some riders going back towards 275 and just uh, you know some of them may have jumped a little bit early you know obviously more development makes you know a a better chassis to ride but um, yeah I I see uh, as long as tracks stay technical and challenging then we'll keep seeing the development of bikes going forward but like I said if if we get to this point where we're going to see more manicured sort of bike park orientated tracks then I, I think racing could start getting a little bit boring really